Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Title of my message is when Jesus asks a question. When Jesus asks a question, if you want to put it that way, come on now. Um, if you don't like that title, I'll give you a second title. When Grace Taps You on the Shoulder. Whichever one you like, keep it, put in your back pocket, all right? Uh, we're going to go to John 5, one of my favorite texts in all the Bible. Uh, it is the man who is uh, healed by the pool of Bethesda. Let's pick up, here we go. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, judgmental, the gossips, the greedy. Oh, I'm coming for you today. Come on now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there. You don't, want me, you don't want me to keep going. Okay. Lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. There's just something about being in the right place at the right time. This man had been laying there for 38 years, but for some reason that, that day became the right place at the right time because the right person named Jesus was about to show up. Can I tell you, in the right place at the right time because Jesus is in the room. You know, you know, you know what I love about this text? Is, uh, it's like um, uh, Jesus showed up to a prison and picked the biggest bully. Now you need to know something. The world is a prison. Sin made the world a prison, made everybody captives. And Jesus being the great savior he is, he picks the biggest bully on this block, five porches. He looks around and says, 38 years paralyzed, I'm picking that bully. And he knocks the bully out. Can I just tell you something real quick? Grace is bigger than your problems. Some people, I, you know, I've been pastoring almost 20, uh, 20 years now. Uh, I'll, I'll be pastor 20 years uh, this July. And people always tell me how big their problems are. People always tell me how... God's too big for, uh, this one's too big for God, or, or they're, they're so impressed with their list of the things they did that God could never, ever recover it. Can I tell you, grace is bigger than your worries, it's bigger than your doubt, bigger than your struggles, bigger than your depression, bigger than your past, bigger than whatever happened in your family. Grace is bigger. Grace will find the biggest thing in your life and will knock it out. Grace said, knock you out. Okay, here we go. Um, that's some LL Cool J back in the day stuff. I didn't do that in the first service. You know what I'm saying? Last service, best service. I get a little more loose. Okay, here we go. Um, when Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? That is a loaded question. If you don't know what a loaded question is, you're not married. Because if you're married, you know what a loaded question is. Does this dress look nice? Oh, you better answer quick, and it better be a bold point. You better preach back at the girl. Come on now. If you just go, well, oh, no, no, don't do that, okay? I'm sure. Do not answer sure, okay? It is a loaded question. And the reality is if you um, follow the ministry of Jesus, his questions have layers to them. They're loaded. They're not just a little question. They are life-changing questions. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I love that Jesus doesn't even address our excuses. Our excuses will just paralyze us. Can I just tell you, get past your excuses and get to the Savior? Get past your circumstances and get to the Creator? There's just something about us telling God about our excuses. They get us nowhere. And so here's what he says. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. 
the law doesn't allow you to carry the sleeping mat. Stop. Could you imagine at this service if somebody was paralyzed for 38 years and they got up and walked? Would you be complaining or celebrating? Religious people ruin church. Religious people right there. He gets healed. The people, oh, what's going on? I don't know about that. Uh, is, that a song? is that a Bethel song they just sang today? Get out of here. Legalism is the enemy of the cross. It's just, one of the theologians said, it's interesting, I've been preaching on Jesus the last few months at our church and um, out of the Gospels, and Jesus will always be healing on the Sabbath. You know, he comes to the synagogue, heals the man with the withered hand, and, you know, that, that one on the Sabbath, the, the Pharisees plot to kill Jesus because of it. I don't know about you, but if somebody's withered hand gets healed, I'm not plotting to kill Jesus, I'm baking a cake, amen? But, but the theologian says, maybe, just maybe, Jesus was healing on the Sabbath, so the law could get no credit for restoration. That your religion would get no credit for you getting better. Because religion is not what makes you better. Grace is what heals you and restores you. So my question for you today is, do you want to get well? Oh, Jesus wants to meet you today. There's just something about understanding the importance of that question and how to respond to that question. When you bow your heads, I'm going to pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing at Fountain Church. God, we thank you for uh, just calling us to the Bay Area. And Lord, we respond to your question. Do you want us to get well? And God, we say yes, Lord. We say yes. Say what? yes with me. Yes, Jesus. God, would you heal us? Would you restore minds today? Would you restore broken bodies today? Would you heal depression today? Would you restore broken marriages today? Relationships, God. God, would you heal the things that none of us could heal in our own strength, but by your spirit? And Lord, may my words fall to the floor in your sword. God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said? All right, all right, all right. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to ask some questions to the question. And the two questions I want to ask today is, what is going on and who is this man? So the first one, let's look at this. What is going on? What is going on here? So let's just, again, let's, let's, let's marinate in this a little bit together. Uh, there is five porches, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Now just transform, uh, transfer there with me. Get in your DeLorean from Back to the Future. Transfer back in time and just walk around the porches with me. And just see the sickness and the hopelessness and the lameness and the paralysis that sin has caused in our life because Adam left us an heir to a lot of debt that we could never pay off. And the reality is, is that this porch, if we could look at it in a modern day text, this porch is what a Sunday at Fountain Church and Mission Church looks like. A bunch of blind, lame, and paralyzed people, maybe emotionally, but we know we need help. We know we need a savior. We know we need a healer because we walk through this room and we stopped each person and said, what are you struggling with? We would start to realize that we're in the same place that this man was thousands of years ago. Now, it's interesting when you think about this uh, scenario and this picture, why it happened. Uh, my grandma, love her. She led me to the Lord. Uh, she's one of my heroes. Uh, she's an amazing woman, but she loved to shop. She loved to shop. So when she passed away, she left a ton of debt that unpa was unpaid. So I didn't know this, but uh, if your family member, your close family member passes away and they have a lot of debt, they'll actually call you to see if you want to honor and pay off the debt. So I'm with my mom and we're in her car and my mom gets a call. Hi, um, we're calling on behalf of Peggy Berry's debt. Would you like to pay her debt off? And my mom goes, no, thank you. And the debtor's like, all righty, have a great day. Bye-bye, you know, good talk. And I was like, what was that, mom? And she goes, I guess um, uh, they can call you as a family member to see if you want to honor the debt. And so that's the third call this week that I've had to pay off some of your grandma's debt. I said no all three times because we got our own debt and we got no money for her debt, you know. 
And I was like, so you can just say no? They're like, yeah. And I was like, what kind of person goes, you know what? I'd love to pay that debt off. Here, take some of my, like, like what kind of person says yes to that, you know? And so I started thinking about that story and this story. And the reality is my grandma left my mom debt that she could say no to. But our great, 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 grandpa, Adam, and our great, 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 grandma, Eve, left us debt. And sin came a-calling. And you could not refuse the debt. Sin is really this, it's almost like a spiritual bomb that explodes. And depression hits some people. And then bondage hits some other people. And offense hits some other people. And then, and then because of those things, other people get abused because of it. And they get hurt because of it. And they get wounded because of it. And if you lived any number of years in this world, the debt of sin has visited your life and created a deficit. And so Jesus comes to the place where there's a lot of debt that needs to be wiped clean. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to church today? Now, now, now we, we now know who's in the room. Now let's look at the scenario, what's going on in the room. So it's a bunch of broken people gathered together. Second part we see, look at this, is it's a bunch of broken people trying to find wholeness in a broken system. John 5, 4, you're not going to find it in a lot of your Bibles. Uh, I'll read it to you and unpack it. It says this in John 5, 4, For an angel went down to a certain time uh, into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now I just read John 5 and that wasn't in my translation. Uh, most Bible translations don't have it in there anymore because they omitted it out of the Bible because in the 4th century, somebody kind of slipped that verse in real quick. They can't find the older manuscripts. Most theologians believe that the reason why uh, it was omitted was because it was a legend, uh, uh, this, this part of the, the text, that an angel would come down, touch the water, and the first one to the water would get healed. If you've ever been to the uh, pool of Bethesda, I got to go about a month and a half ago. It's right next to St. Anne's Church. It's, a, it's an amazing picture. Uh, and amazing to be there in person, you find that there's a, uh, an underwater aquifer that would actually fill the, the, the pool. So sometimes water pockets would get caught and make it bubble up, and they believe the water bubbles were actually going to heal them. So it was a legend that if you uh, hit the water when it bubbled, you'd be healed. So now let's, again, let's just picture this real quick. Oh, picture this with me. Jesus is walking around these people, the one that could change their life, heal them, and restore them. And their eyes are fixed on clouds. Can you imagine this real quick? Imagine this was Jesus walking by, and I'm one of the people who are there, and I'm looking at the clouds, and Jesus walks right by, and I miss him. Ooh, what a picture. And my question today is, what is your cloud? What is your eyes fixed on? You come to church, and are you seeking Jesus, or are you trying to find a spouse? Let's be honest. I'm pastoring for way too long to know a lot of you single people coming in like, I give you my worship. I give you my worship. You're holy. You're holy. You know? And you're like, oh, single, single. Okay, 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 okay. She lifts her hand up. No ring. Yeah, you know? You're holy. You know? So, so you're looking for a spouse. Thinking that if I find a spouse, they'll make my life well. But once you get married, can I just tell you something real quick? I'm, Again, I, I, I'm having this, like, like this season of my life. I'm like, I can't be a pastor for 20 years. And so I've just been reflecting on it. And one of the things I realized is, man, when you pastor people that long, something that surprised me is how many people who have not gotten well over the years. Coming to church for years. No, not kinder. Not freer. Not more generous. Just sitting there. And they're the same. And I ask myself, how does that happen? And the reality is, is they get in church, and instead of looking for Jesus, they're looking for a cloud. They think something else will make them well. They've lied to themselves or bought into a lie. Can I just tell you, 
from my experience of pastoring, this is what I hear from people all the time at different coffees. Oh, Tyler, if I could just be married, my life would be better. And I go to my next coffee. Tyler, I'm married, and my life is hard. So my 10 a.m. wants to get married, and my 11 a.m. is married, and they both got problems. <laughs> then I go to my 1 p.m. Tyler, if we just had kids, I know our life would be better. Go to my 2 p.m. Tyler, we got kids. Oh, they're so hard. I, I don't think they're saved. Which one is it? Kids or no kids? I go to my 3 p.m. Tyler, I need a job. Oh, I need a job. 4 p.m. Tyler, I got a job. Most people want their circumstance changed, but they don't want themselves changed. And so if I could just submit this to you today, Jesus is not coming to the man and say, do you want me to change your circumstance? You want me to carry you to the water next time it blows up? You want to make sure that I create a, an avenue where everybody makes you the best one and the most favorite one? Or do you want me to make you well? Because your circumstance, if he changes your circumstances today, that's nothing. But if he changes you, he changes your marriage. He changes you, he changes your job. He changes you, he changes your family. He changes you, he changes everything. So can I ask you, do you want to be made well today? Let's take our eyes off the wrong clouds. So then you ask yourself this question. I think it's, it's something that we have to marinate on for a second. A lot of people in the room, you're trying to get well. Like A lot of you like, are like, you're like, I want to be well. And you just feel like you're just hitting this wall over and over again. I, um, one of my first jobs, I worked at a gym. And uh, Mel Corm YMCA, shout out Pialp, Washington, one of my first jobs. And uh, it was a really a cool gym. I mean, it had two water slides, indoor running track, uh, three basketball courts, amazing gym, massage therapist. Uh, Pialp had nothing else in the city, so they decided to build everybody a big gym. It rains like nine months a year, so you need somewhere to go during the nine months of the year. So they built us a nice gym. Um, and uh, I started working there. And I would see people come six, seven days a week. And some people, eight months later, would literally just, just get ripped. You know, like, dang, you transformed. You, know, you, came, you came to Melcorn YMCA eight months ago, and you're walking out a new person, you know. Okay, I mean, impressive, you know, tip of the cap. And then I'd see other people walk in the gym and be there six, seven days. They're walking out, like, more unhealthy than when they first showed up. But they were, I saw them on the machines. I saw them over there. What, 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 how do they miss it? I believe there's three, three different avenues that I want to open your eyes to because you got to know thyself so you can walk away from thyself at times. You need to know what, what the bad rhythms are so you need to uh, stay away from the wrong, uh, the wrong rhythms. And one of the first ones, I would just simply say this is, at the gym, I would see what I called the eager ones. They were eager to change, but they didn't know how to change. I actually have a video I want to show it to you. Check it out. Bro, it's not I'm going to try this next time at the gym. I feel like it's a good core exercise. Full body exercise. <laughs> this guy dominates at the grocery store. Multitasking. Stop it. Get some help. This guy's practicing dodging bullets. Matrix style.
and then playing chess on the ab machine. Come on. Now, now just picture this with me. You're a trainer. No, no, no. You're the world's greatest trainer the world has ever seen. You walk into a gym and you see that. Would that be upsetting? Now, let, let's, let's get back to the text. Imagine Jesus, the savior of the world, the healer of the world, steps on these five porches and he sees religion and the world system. He is a frustrated savior looking at a frustrated system, saying, who taught you how to do this? What person in the room, uh, if, if this is you, why do you think that if you check the box, these five things, then you're going to fix everything? Who taught you that check the box Christianity would save your life? When we get to religious acts and religious ideals or charismatic manipulation, we start to look this silly in the church. We get so eager, but we're not letting grace do the work. Because let's get back to the story. I told all y'all, some of you, you got a different cloud that you're looking for. But all of us were looking at a cloud at one time in our life. Even this guy for 38 years, he was looking at the wrong thing. And Jesus tapped on his shoulder and said, would you like to be made well? Can I tell you real quick? I remember when Jesus tapped on my shoulder. I was not looking for him, but Grace was so kind enough to tap me on the shoulder and get my attention and say, would you like to be made well? If you don't know this yet, you're going to know it today. And I know you do, but I want to remind you, Grace is the only thing that can change your life. Come on, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the, the, gift of, the gift of salvation, the gift of sanctification, the gift of the... Can I do a little bit of teaching real quick? I'm going to give you some teaching real quick. So, so here's, what, here's what I mean by um, uh, uh, um, the grace doing all the work. So when you get saved, uh, the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, um, and you see God's goodness, and you realize how great he is and how broken you are. You say yes to Jesus, and you get saved, okay? Um, and that's called justification. That would be the theological term, justification. And justification basically is you are freed from the penalty of sin. You are now going to go to heaven. You now have heaven promised to you. You are now an heir to the kingdom. You, you've been justified. So you are freed from the penalty of sin. And then comes sanctification. You ever met somebody who gets saved and they're just as much as a jerk they were before they got saved? They're justified, but they ain't sanctified, okay? So, so freed from the penalty of sin. Uh, sanctified is be, you're, you're being freed from the power of sin. And the, and the freed from the power of sin is, this is the, the do you want to be made well moments in your life. It's, it's God peeling the layers of sinful nature and your old nature off you. It's, it's bondage. It's, it's insecurity. It's shame. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's anger. Whatever thing, you know, uh, lying, gossip, like just like, why is it on you? And Jesus comes to you throughout your life and he's sanctifying. He says, hey, now because you have been saved, you now have authority to take the old nature off and put the new nature on. Would you like to be free from lust? Yes, take it off. Put self-control on. Would you like to be free from depression and anxiety? Yes, well, take that off and put joy in instead. And so you go from justification to sanctification. And throughout your life, this is a lifelong process, by the way, of just being sanctified and being shaped by God's word and by the spirit. And then after sanctification, you get this thing called glorification. The presence of sin is no longer in your life. The best version of yourself. Ooh, come on now, that's a good, that's a good side, Amen. And so what happens in this moment is we're so eager to peel the layers off ourself. We're so eager to try to uh, do it in our own self. But the only way it happens is if you have moments with the Lord, I'm telling you what's going to change your life is not you trying harder. It's actually you enjoying more moments with the Lord and having the Lord speak to you through the word and have him speak through prayer and saying, do you want me to make you well? And so that, that leads me to the selective ones. So the eager ones is what's been holding you back. You've been, you've been trying hard, but you haven't been enjoying God. Enjoy God, watch what happens in your life. 
Second one is you have the selective ones. And I was a selective one. Uh, that's just the way I, I just, I, I, this is where I struggled a lot in my life. Now, uh, in my early 20s, I saw a movie, and uh, I'm not promoting the movie from the platform. It's actually an inappropriate movie, um, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, I saw the movie 300. It was about um, uh, the Spartans fighting against the Persians. <sighs> Sorry. <sighs> Allergy. Allergies got me this uh, last two weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Zyrtec. I'm on my inhaler. I got it all right now, okay? I am drugged up. Um, don't worry. The Holy Spirit's still the one speaking through me, not my Zyrtec, okay? So, um, so I remember seeing 300, and uh, I mean, these guys were just yoked. And so I was like, you know what? I was in early 20s. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to try to get as ripped as a Spartan. I went on Operation Get Ripped, okay? Operation Spartan. So I remember going to the website and, and looking at their YouTube videos, and, and um, I picked the things that I thought were the most important from the workouts. So I wanted to work out my chest, my biceps, and my abs. So I did some of it, but I didn't want to do all of it because I was like, I don't need to do this. I've never heard a girl say, he's got nice thighs. So I threw out the leg workouts, okay? Um, um, I've never heard a girl, I really love his lower back. I was like, I threw out the back workouts, you know? Um, and so I started working out eight months later. I literally just one day at the gym, my, my back goes out and I can't even stand up. And I literally have to go to a physical therapist and the physical therapist is like, what happened? And I was like, I've been working out. And they're like, what have you been working out? My chest and my abs and my biceps, what else? That's it. And he was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Tyler. And I was like, in my early 20s, like, this will destroy your body. Your body's out of alignment. You have to start strengthening your lower back. You gotta start doing planks. You gotta start stretching differently. You gotta start doing a full body workout. If you don't, your body will be out of alignment and you won't be able to function properly. Let's get back to this. Some of y'all are selective followers. I'll go to church, but I won't do a small group. I'll go to church, but I'm not going to serve. And so I want to be made well, but I see the list that the mandates from God. God says, I'm supposed to be a disciple and I'm supposed to prioritize the kingdom. I'm supposed to prioritize the gathering. I'm supposed to prioritize community. I'll pick this one. I'm going to pick this one. Nah, I don't want that one. And then you wonder a year later, why am I not well? Because you're a selective Christian. Can I, can, I, can I talk shop with you real quick? Um, the reality is, is and, this, and me and Matt talk all the time, so I know that everything you guys do here at Fountain Church and everything we do at Mission Church is for one thing, is to bring the glory to the name of Jesus and to make great disciples. Bam. Okay? And so everything we do is to take somebody who comes to church, and if you're a seeker in the house today, I'm going to use some churchy terms, forgive me, but I want you to hear how we process, even though when we're praying and pastor talking, uh, this is how we picture it. Uh, you have seekers, then you have believers, then you have disciples, and then you have teachers. So when somebody first comes to church, they a seeker. They know, they know that they know that they know that there's something more to this world. And the, the, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God took eternity and placed it in our hearts. You know there's more to this world than just now. You know there's a God, so, so, so your, your curiosity, the way that, you were, you, that God needed you, the, the, the Holy Spirit's been knocking on your heart. You come to church seeking God, and throughout service, the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and opens your eyes. Grace does all the work, and you respond to that. You say yes to Jesus, and you become a believer. Now, the Bible didn't say go make believers. It said go make disciples. So once you become a believer, you cannot be a selective believer and say, I'll do this, but I won't do this, because you'll never actually have the inheritance that God has for you if you're going to be a selective follower. But the, the believer to disciple um, step is simply this. Is a disciple literally just means disciplined follower of Jesus. If he said to follow it, I'm going to do it. If it's on the list of things that are going to better my life and have me fall in love with him, then I'm going to do it. Every single thing that God gives you is not a rule, but it's actually a relational value that will create a great relationship in your life and with other people. Amen? 
And then you become a teacher and you start reproducing what you became. Ooh, that's a good thing, amen? When you're a selective follower, you're just hanging out here for the rest of your life, never inheriting the one promise of, you want to be made well, I will change your whole life and there'll be an abundance in your life. Do not be a selective follower. And then the third uh, thing that I, I think what holds people back a lot is that's called the watchers and the talkers. They can talk it, they can walk it, they're doing it all, but it's just not transforming their life. And if I could tell on myself, my old nature is religious. I am legalistic by fault. Like that's just the way that I'm knitted. I, I'm a rule, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a winner and achiever. So if you tell me to do it, I check the box and I'm good. But the reality is, is that Jesus didn't call me to read my Bible so I'd be done with it. He called me to read the Bible so I'd encounter him and he would make me well. And so um, we were on our uh, 11-year anniversary, my wife and I, a couple weeks ago uh, in April. We went to um, New York and then we tagged on a few days of Boston because we had a, a conference retreat I had to be at uh, in Boston. And so the morning we were leaving New York, um, I sent myself my Devo. Check out this little picture real quick. So every No, 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 no. Wrong one. The little picture. The picture. I kind of freaked out right there, didn't I? <laughs> no! 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 Just kidding. All right. So in the morning, during my, during my soap time, during my journal time, um, I, uh, I'll shoot myself an email from Tyler to Tyler. I Tyler the Devo. And... Uh, then I'll journal the, the verse that really spoke to me. Now, I didn't put my journal in there because it's none of your business, okay? Um, but I'm going to let you read my verse today, all right? So April 17th, shout out to the grind, 424 a.m. What's up, grind? Okay, come on now. I'm on the grind. First um, Thessalonians 5, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, for you who belongs to Christ Jesus. And it's just, I just, was just marinating on that, always be joyful, always be joyful. So we flew out that morning to Boston, and the Boston Marathon uh, was going on that day, the most famous marathon there is. And, you know, my wife loves experiencing new things, and she's the Christopher Columbus. Uh, just, I mean, she wants to see the whole world. And so we get to the hotel. I'm kind of tired. I got a conference I got to get to. And, and, uh, but I was like, you know what? We're going to go have some New England clam chowder in New England, go watch the Boston Marathon. Uh, well, let's go do it. Let's go, let's go over there. It's a few miles away. So it's kind of bad weather. And so when we show up, this is what happened. I'm trying to not splash. That's why I'm running so weird. That's not how I run. Okay. This is a, this is a, this is a terrible decision. This is a terrible decision. It's atrocious. So... So just, again, just so you know, like, I, I run normal. Okay, I run normal. Okay, we're good, we're good, okay, we're good. I, I don't run, like, we're going to go on, I don't run like this. Okay. Um, I, uh, I just didn't want the water to get in my shoes, okay? So, so we go to lunch, and I am angry. Like, first of all, I don't ever use the word atrocious. I guess I do when I'm angry. Um, Rachel was like, she was trying to create memories, and she's recording, and she, she's like, as I got angry, she's like, oh, wrong time to record. And she's like, turn it off, turn it off. Um, so we go to lunch and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hot. I'm running hot. I'm upset. I'm just, you know, you know, eat my chowder. And, uh, Rachel's like, are you gonna be in a bad mood? Like the whole day, you know, I was like, no, but like that rain was biblical. I thought that was the last day. I thought we were in end times at that moment. I was like, God, are you done with us? You know? 
I was like, I was like, I'm soaked. Like I, I when I get dry, I'll be better. But I'm just, I, like, I, I just want to finish lunch, get back to the hotel room, and change all these sopping wet clothes. And Rachel looks at me and she goes, "What happened to catching the rain?" Now, that's a interesting phrase if you don't know the context of what she says to me. I know exactly, and it's from a message I preached three years ago. Out of all the sermons my wife could remember, <laughs> it was a sermon about me catching the rain and being joyful. Okay, let me just give you some context real quick. Um, so uh, three years ago, before COVID, I preached this message out of Philippians 1 about, you know, always being joyful and that your life's going to have sunny days and rainy days and that, that you're going to have to learn how to uh, catch the rain so you can be joyful in all days, that if you allow the weather of the world to dictate your emotions, you're going to be on a roller coaster. Uh, it was a great message. It's fantastic. Um, and, uh, and so uh, the reason, and, and I had this illustration about catching rain because I was in Maui, uh, I think I was like seventh or eighth anniversary at the time, and uh, we just planted the church and uh, it was like raining every day in Maui. And I was getting ticked. I was like, Lord, I planted a church for you. I got one week. I want to lay on the sun and it's raining. Can you please stop the rain? I was, I was so upset. And so day three, the sun comes out and I uh, go get my a little acai bowl from Island Vintage Coffee right there in Maui. And I'm walking back and out of the blue, just <laughs> clouds, <laughs> rain. And I was like, no, 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 you know, I'm, I'm so upset. I'm trying to eat my cyborg in, in the rain, trying to walk by the room. And, and I'm just kind of like, this, like a bad vibe. And, and this little girl in front of me is being held by her mom. And she's like, ah, ah, you know, and her mom goes, no, 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 sweetie. Rain's not bad. Catch the rain with me, sweetie. And so she teaches her daughter how to catch raindrops. So her daughter starts catching raindrops. And then I'm behind them, and the mom's raising both of us at this moment. And I'm like, catch the raindrops. I'm going to catch the rain. I'm going to catch the rain. And I was like, what a great mom. Like, teaching her daughter to enjoy a moment that nobody would enjoy. You know? And so I was like, catching the rain. And I came up to the hotel room to Rachel. I said, Rachel, it doesn't matter if it rains on this trip. We're going to catch the rain together. I'm studying Philippians right now. We're always going to be joyful. Good days, bad days. We're going to catch the rain. Fast forward three years later, and it's raining. And I'm angry. And my wife, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I guess, across from me goes, what happened to catching the rain? Marriage. <laughs> so I start to like kind of laugh a little bit. I'm like, Rachel, you should see my Devo from this morning. I emailed myself a verse, always be joyful. I Devoed on a verse about being joyful. I read a verse on being joyful, but I was not joyful. And the reality is, is like I said, I, I default to check the box religious Christianity because that's my old nature. And when I first became a Christian, I would read my Bible and pray. I thought if I read my Bible and prayed, it would keep my, the rainy days away from my life. God, I read and I prayed, there should be no rainy days. And then I got to know the Lord, and I realized that I read and prayed to know how to get through the rainy days. But I still regress all the time. Lord, if I read and I pray, then the church is going to be good. I'll be good. You'll love me, and I'm all good. And so I regress to this religious walking and talking, but no transforming. I can tell you what I read. I can preach what I read. But until it transforms what I read, I'm still not well. And so the next morning, I wake up. Open up my Bible. I just felt the Lord say to me, do you want me to make you well? And really the, the sentence I felt like I heard is like, do you want me to transform your life? And, and I read every word from my Bible that morning like Jesus was in front of me speaking life to my soul. 
And everything he said, I held on to it like it was honey for my soul, medicine for my soul, things that would restore me. And it was literally transforming me in that read. And then I literally wrote down the things, Lord, I heard you say this to me. And I believe it. And I want to get well. And I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. That day, I got rid of Instagram. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, it's not like Instagram is even bad. It's just... It was just, I mean, I love the dog videos on Instagram, and it's a time waster. I just, all the funny golden retriever videos. I'm on all day long, and I looked at the screen time. I was like, my phone's not going to get more time than you, Jesus. Like, I want to say, three weeks later, like, it was one of the best decisions of my life. And then if I kept going, I don't have time, but again, what's changing my life is not me trying harder. It's me actually getting before Jesus and listening for a word from him and allowing it to transform my life. And if I could just tell you real quick, stop being a walker and a talker and start being a receiver and being somebody who can be transformed. Amen? So now this leads me to my last question. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Is who is this man? Who is this man? Let's read the verse 6. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? So let's just, again, let's get yourself in that scenario. Imagine I walked up to you before church today and said, hey, you want to be well? Like, that's like a rude question to ask somebody. Oh, you, do you think I'm not well? What did you see that I didn't see? You know, walk up to your spouse today and say, you want to get better? You want to get well? Like, it's an offensive question. It's a loaded question. Can you imagine if I would have done service? Yes, you. All right, there. You want to get well? You want to get well? You, you're like, why did he pick me? Uh, what about my spouse? Or what about my friend? Hey, I know about Billy Bob up front. He should have got picked. You know, like, what about them? But Jesus, out of the whole crowd, says, do you want to get well? Because the reality is this loaded question is also a question saying, will you confess that you need to be healed? I wrote this little quote down. For there to be wholeness there first must be awareness of brokenness. He's saying, will you confess you need healing? Will, will, you, will you say it to me? Now, now let, let, me, let, me, let's use a, let me use a story and illustration and a picture to really uh, drive home this last point. Um, I was in Boston at this conference, and uh, you know, there's a handful of pastors there that I um, you know, talked with, and one of them was uh, an actor before he was a pastor. And one of his favorite roles he loved to play was Iago from the play Othello. Now, I've never read Othello Again, I told you, I watched 300, and I worked out like a meathead. My wife studied Shakespeare in Stratford-upon-Haven in England, so she knows all about Shakespeare and Othello. And so this guy started talking. So I go, what, what any you know, super smart person would do, I went on Wikipedia and Googled Iago and Othello. <laughs> Learned a lot, okay? And so he told me that he loved playing Iago because he was a complex character. And if you know anything, know anything about Iago, it, it really is a fascinating character. And I understood now why he loved playing him. Uh, they do case studies on Iago because they say he's the most broken, deceitful, evil person in any of Shakespeare's plays. But on the outside, he looks like the greatest person in all of Shakespeare's plays. He's known as Honest Iago in the place. So if you uh, don't know the play and you start watching it first, you think Iago is the best. But the more you actually see, you find out he's a manipulator, a liar, a deceiver, and a murderer. He wants to destroy Othello, so he, and he wants to steal a girl. And he basically, throughout the play, he's lying and manipulating. And the, on the outside, he's known as Honest Iago. But on the inside, he is dying and he is broken. 
He was passed over on a promotion uh, to Othello. So he, he's jealous of Othello. Um, he has these other wounds that he has. So throughout the movie, he is absolutely destroying people. Man, what a picture of religion. Religion just teaches us to be like honest Iago. It said, the, Jesus said, you whitewashed tombs. You know how to present great things, but on the inside, you're dying. And this is the danger of church. For us to present that we're great, and then to come to church, act like we're great, worship like we're great, and then leave when we're great. There is nothing more powerful or potent in the church than a desperate Christian. Somebody who knows they need Jesus on that Sunday. Somebody who cries out and worships when they know Jesus that Sunday. So Iago, through the play, is just destroying things. And then out of the blue, he breaks the fourth wall and speaks to the crowd. Can you imagine the play's going on and he stops and he speaks to the crowd and the fourth wall is broken. And he says to the crowd, I am not what I am. And it's Shakespeare's play on words in Exodus 3 of I am the great I am. And what Iago is saying by I'm not what I am is this isn't who I was supposed to be. This isn't what I was created to be. I wasn't supposed to be a liar and a deceiver and a murderer. And if you know anything about Iago's story though is that he was betrayed by love. He was hurt by people. And because he was hurt by people and he was betrayed by love and he left it unchecked and undealt with and never got well, he started justifying his actions. And if I'm being honest, we can all relate with this. Some of you today, I'm not going to sign up for small groups because last time I was in a small group, I got hurt. So you start justifying an old wound, justifies you from moving forward to actually healing that wound. You start justifying, I don't need to be vulnerable anymore. I was vulnerable and I got hurt last time I was vulnerable. I don't need to, um, uh, you know, pray like that anymore because I prayed like that and it didn't work out the way. So I'm just going to live in this moment uh, instead because when you do, when you leave things unchecked and unhealed, they start to become the reason why you can never move forward and you justify and you become somebody like Yagi and you say, I'm not what I am. And so Yago is saying, this isn't me. But this is me. And what Jesus is saying to the man, he's saying to you and I, because who is this man? He's you. He's me. And just saying, I need to hear you say it. I need to, before I can heal you, I need to hear you say, I'm not what I am, but I desire to be what you created me to be. I'm broken, but I desire wholeness. I'm in bondage, but I desire freedom. I'm in depression, but I desire joy. This isn't my birthright. I know my birthright is not debt, it is wholeness, and it's the kingdom. And so he says, do you want to be made well? And the man, oh, you got to tip your cap to him. Yes, he wants to be made well. And you know what Jesus says to him? It's just, it's just again, you got to get the story. He says, pick up your mat and walk. Can you imagine being around somebody who's paralyzed and telling them to pick something up and walk? It's the most impossible thing you could ask them to do. It'd be borderline offensive again. But Jesus is saying, for you to actually have what you want, it's going to take some faith. And I'm going to ask you to do impossible things. God's going to ask you to do impossible things. He's going to ask you this week to forgive somebody you never thought you could forgive. To confess something you never thought you could confess. To be vulnerable again like you never thought you could be vulnerable. And the reality is, is if you're willing, by faith, to pick up your mat and walk, You'll take authority over the thing that had authority over you. And people ask you, wasn't that the mat you used to lay on? And you get to tell them, I answered the question when you said, do you want to be made well? I said, I'm not what I am, but I'm on my way. I desire to be what you created me to be.
Will you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. I don't know if it's your first time or second time in church. I got two questions today. First one is simply this. If you want to say yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to curse, you want to say yes to salvation. You never said yes to Jesus before. The Bible shows there must be a response. Holy Spirit is doing work on your heart. You got tapped on the shoulder. Grace tapped you on the shoulder today. You want to say yes to Jesus today, yes to salvation. Go ahead and ask you to respond. To that. Just raise your hand and catch my I want to pray for you. If that's you, on the count of three, raise it up, raise it up. One, two, three, raise it up. I see you, and I see you. Come on, God's doing work. I see you, and I see you. Come on, we can clap for that. I see you in the very back. Bunch of hands went up. Let's clap for that. That's a great thing. Come on now. Second question. Do you want to be made well? Not do you want to try to be made well? Not I'll do a little bit of this to be made well? Do you just want Jesus to encounter your life and make you well? If that's you and you want to say yes to that in this season, it's between you and me, it's between you and the Lord. Why don't you raise your hand? Jesus, say, Jesus, I want to be made well. You have my yes. If that's you on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it up, raise it high. Your hands all over. I want to pray for both of you. God, I thank you for the ones that said yes to you. God, best decision of their life. Would you bless them in this next season? Would you put great people around them? God, I thank you for the hands that, that responded. Lord, we want to be made well. I'm not what I am, but I desire to be everything you created me to be. God, we desire wholeness. God, I pray the kingdom of God, the promise of the kingdom, wholeness, health, blessing, abundance, restoration. Lord, I pray that that birthright that Jesus paid on the cross, God, that we would receive in this season like we never had before. God, we love you. We love you. And everybody said? Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.